Exodus chapter number 20. And, and I'm going to read these for you. And, and I'm, I'm not going to read each verse uh, because I want to get into the, the content. But we're going to hit these for you just as a refresh, refresher. But we're going to start at verse number 1. And God spoke all these words. Exodus 20 verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he begins to give them what we refer to as the Ten Commandments. The Ten, as we are talking about in this series. In verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. There shall be no other gods before God. Verse 4, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, a graven image, no idols uh, that you have made for yourself. Verse number 7, let's skip down there. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit tonight. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now skip on down with me to verse number 12. Honor your father and your mother. All the fathers and mothers should say amen. (laughs) A couple of you did anyway. Some of you all have given up. Don't give up. It'd be all right. Verse number 13. You shall not murder. Verse 14. You shall not commit Adultery. Verse 15. You shall not steal. Verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Later on, Jesus will clarify who our neighbor is. Okay? So anyone that's, that we find in need is, is neighbor to us. Anyone. Verse 17. You shall not covet Your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So, we we jump into this. These are the Ten Commandments. That's probably no revelation to anyone that is here. In fact, if 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 you've spent any time uh, in in this. uh, country or in church at any time, you're going to know the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, these were taught in our schools for years and years until uh, a little bit more recently. We have talked about them in church ever since uh, church has been around. Uh, these are principles to live our life by, commandments that God gives that man should live their life by. Now, we're not going to go back into all of the differing laws and commands and all of that. We talked about that some last week, and and you can catch up there if you want. Last week, we, we talked about that, and then we hit the first two. You shall have no other gods before me. 
And you shall have no, make for yourself no graven images, no carved images, so no idols. And so we, we hit those last week. I'm not going to recap that because we are going to press on. But I, I want to go, before we jump into the next few in the series of Ten Commandments, I, I want to go and I want to look at a couple of other things and I want to pull these in uh, because there's some things that have really hit my mind as, as I've been journeying through these Ten Commandments that, that I want to bring out to you. Take Take your Bibles and turn now with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. Does anybody know while you're turning there? Does anybody know what Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7 is? It is that, that, that sermon on the mount that Jesus is going to preach. I mean, it is the defining message that that he is going to uh, share as as he begins to move forward. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to begin to uh, look at this. Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to take you down to verse number 17, because Jesus begins to explain some things here that I want to hit. So Matthew 5, verse number 17. Jesus is teaching. And here's what he says, and I think this is important. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus, this is is something we need to understand. When Jesus came, because this is a lot of people will will um, argue over this. Well, we live in the New Covenant and the New Testament. And so anything in the Old Testament, we don't have to abide by. That's not, but that's, that's not accurate. So we need to understand that. That is not the truth. Jesus says Himself, if we're, if we're going to uh, uh, believe Jesus is the Son of God and believe Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Messiah that God the Father has sent uh, to pay the price for sin for mankind, if we're going to claim Him as our Savior, then we have to believe His words. And His words are He did not come to destroy or do away with. He came to fulfill okay so now if he lives in us and we are going to live through him then then what is he going to do in us through us he's going to lead us to fulfill amen God's commands God's ways He's going to lead us to walk in them. So, so before you get so quick to say, well, the Old Testament just doesn't matter to me. At all. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Because those laws and, and those things that we read, those, those are all fulfilled in Christ. He, he is all in all. They were pictures leading us to Him. And so, yes, there's some of the, of the cultural things that we no longer live in, the sacrifices we no longer make, and the rituals we no longer live under, because they all were pictures of Christ that were fulfilled at His coming. But God's commands are still alive, His Word is still true, and He will still live those through us, through Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we should be walking in these. Amen. He says in verse 18, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away. Does anybody believe heaven or earth has passed away yet? Okay. 
So, till heaven, or earth, heaven and earth passes away, not one jot or one tittle. Now, that means just one little mark, one, one little thing about God's command, God's word. Not one of these will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Amen. Verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, teaches others to do that, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes and Pharisees of that day, they considered themselves and the religion and the people considered them, they were the highest form of religious activity. The scribes and Pharisees, they, I mean, they kept every, every ceremonial, ritualistic law. They, they washed their hands certain amount of times. They, they did everything they were supposed to do. But the Lord tells us, He says, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs. Now, there's only one way you're going to do that because it's not by works that we are saved. It's only through Jesus Christ who fulfills what no religious person could ever fulfill. Because as much as those scribes and Pharisees tried to live righteous and keep every law, they still had to sacrifice for their sins continuously. Amen. Because they couldn't live it. Only Jesus. And He paid the price, not for His sin. He had no sin. He paid the price for all sin, the sin of mankind. Once, the Bible says, for all. He only did it once, and He finished it. And then He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and so He did it. So the only way our righteousness is going to exceed the righteousness of the most religious, strict People concerning the law that ever lived. In fact, they were so strict concerning God's law that they didn't just stop at God's law. They added about 400 and some what they called fence laws around God's law just to keep them so far away from breaking God's law. that, that And what happened is their fence laws became more God's law to them than God's actual law. Amen. And they, they, they got so caught up in their ways that they ignored God's ways. And they hated Jesus for that when He would come. And He didn't do everything the way they thought He should. And so they wouldn't accept Him. They hated Him for that. They turned against Him. But, but what I'm saying is, if anyone could have ever kept the whole law and been spotless and sinless. It was not you or I. It would have been them. But they couldn't do it. They had to offer for sin continuously. Amen. So Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs. There's no way our righteousness in our own self could ever exceed. They, they studied the law from cover. They memorized the law. Amen. I mean, they, they, they memorized. We could not. If anyone could have, it would have been some people in that group of people, but they couldn't do it. So the, what I'm telling you is there's only one way 
that we can live righteous before God the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the prophets. Everything pointed to Him. He did all that, that, that had to be done. He accomplished everything. He finished the work. We, when we accept Him, we are made righteous through Christ. And now what we are to do is we are to allow Christ to empower us and to live through us, to quicken this mortal body, to live the way He's called us to live. Amen. And if we do that, we will keep God's Word. We will live in it. And now here's the good news. The Bible tells us that if we do sin, and do you know sin is doing what is wrong, and sin is also knowing to do, knowing what is right and not doing it. Knowing to do, knowing to do good but doing it not is sin. Amen. But if we do sin, the Bible says, Sins of commission, sins of omission, things we do, things that we don't do that we should do. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, amen, that we can confess to Him our sins and forgiveness comes and and we are made righteous through Him. It's by faith, it's through grace, it's in Him that we are made righteous. Amen. Are you all with me? And so He tells them, the reason I'm going through all of this that I think is so important because we have so many people that don't understand. God still expects His people to live biblically. We are not free to live willy-nilly however we want to because, well, we've got grace. There is, that is nowhere in the Bible. Whoever came up with that did not get it out of the Bible. God never does away with right living, biblical living. Amen. Well, but I don't like some of those things. It's hard to do. Well, God didn't ask your opinion. Amen. He didn't ask my opinion either. Believe me, there are some things... That, that God asks of me, I'll use me, that I'm not fond of. In my flesh. Come on, are y'all, are y'all with me? I mean, there's just some things that, 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 that my flesh would rather just do what it wants to do. But God has called us to live biblically. And he, he tells us we have to live it through Christ. We can't do it any other way. But we are not free To choose how we live in Christ. Amen. Okay. So the reason I went into all that was to say in verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments. So so Jesus is still teaching to not break commandments. That's, that's the whole reason I went to that scripture. I read them to you, those Ten Commandments. Have you ever sat and thought about how many of those you have broken? Now, now come on. I hear people already saying, and I'm sure you're thinking in your mind, well, I've never murdered anybody. Well, I hope, I hope everybody in here is saying that anyway. But, but there's some teaching that we're going to get into <laughs> That probably would cause us to question that. 
Amen. Well, I, I haven't put other gods before God. Well, what does our living say about that? Well, I haven't made images and, and worshipped other images. Well, what, what are the things that we value the most say about that? Amen. So we got to be serious about this, and we have to allow Christ to live in us. Now, okay, go with me. I told you we were going to be in this maybe last week. I told you probably two weeks, but after I started looking at this stuff, I thought, well, we're going to be in this a little longer than two weeks. So, uh, so I'm in no hurry tonight because I can just go till I'm done, and then I can stop, and I can pick up again next time. So Second uh, Peter, if you want to turn there with me, Second Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us. By glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now again, I want you to think with me about what this says to us. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me, let me just break this down for you just a little bit. Because do you know what we find in the Old Testament? We find a revelation and a knowledge and an understanding of God. He reveals Himself to mankind. We find the creation story. We find the story of of the fall of man. We find the story of the beginning of God's people through Abraham. Abraham, the father of faith, who was the the father of Israel that that we see today. And also the father of the Gentile nation. We see see Abraham there related. and, And we see the law that comes through Moses. But these are revelations of the character, the nature of God. And we see pointing towards the Messiah that's going to come, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we see the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who now takes our place and walks with us. So, the the reason I'm going to these scriptures and I'm taking this time is because I, I, I believe this is important that it, because what we do on Wednesday nights is a little different, even though I get kind of worked up sometimes, a little different than what we do on Sunday mornings. I'm trying to take you a little deeper. And, and I want you to hear this again. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So that means that to get the full picture... 
you need to know the full picture. And that means you need to, you need to know this book from Genesis to Revelation. What not? You, you need to understand that, that the God that we see in that Old Testament is the same God today. People, people are struggling right now. And these concepts are hard. People are saying, well, I don't really like the Old Testament because what I see God doing in the Old Testament, I, I, don't, I don't really understand why God... And, and the reason people get so bent out of shape about that is because they don't understand the purposes. They don't understand the revelation of God revealing Himself to His people, teaching His people that they have to be pure and they have to be clean, but they can't do it on their own, and gives them a law whereby it's going to guide them and going to lead them. And, and, and they come into possession, and there are enemies in the land that have to be removed out of the land because wickedness can't abide with God's people. And so you see wars, and you see death, and you see destruction, and people will say, well, that's just not God is love and I don't believe the God I read about it but but God is love in how he deals with people from the beginning all the way to the end and so therefore if you truly want to see the 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 not and have an understanding of God and of Jesus Christ you got to get this word and you got to get it from cover to cover amen we, did, we, we have not replaced Israel as the church. Israel has been and always will be God's chosen people. The covenant that was made with them is, is there and it is never nullified. And when we go into the end of days and the end of times that we read about, you see things turn back. The church is taken out. You see a turning back to Israel that now the completion of, of the work that God has done in them is going to be brought to pass just before the end of all things comes as we understand it. Amen. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me? And so don't listen to the lies of the enemy that will try to shut your eyes to having an understanding of a God that loves you. A lot of people want to serve Jesus, want to claim Jesus, but, but, but they don't want to have a knowledge and an understanding of the Father. Amen. And so you need to have that knowledge. You need to have that understanding. And so because, because as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is why it's important that you always understand God's Word in context. There is nothing in the New Testament that will contradict what God reveals in the Old Testament. The ways of revelation, the actions that are culturally relevant in the lives of people that were living that day will change because cultural, culture changes all the time. Do you know we do not live the same way that, that Adam and Eve lived when they were kicked out of the garden? 
We do not live the same way that Abraham did when he traveled uh, from Ur of the Chaldees. We don't, we don't live. It's a whole different culture. It's a whole different world. We don't live in the same culture that they lived when they entered into the promised land and, and had to go to the wars they went to. And the, we don't live the same, but we do find the same principles of truth that if anyone will trust God, will believe God, will lead others towards Him, they will receive His blessing. Amen. Just because we don't have the full pictures of those moments, don't, don't make judgment calls based on your culture today. We've got a real problem in our world today. We've got a real problem in our current world today. The, the current world has no appreciation for history. They have no, one, they have no desire to understand history. And when I talk about history, I talk, I'm talking about they, they, don't, they don't want to consider anything before them. Or before their latest revelation. And so we've got a whole cultural thing going on right now that, that what happened five years ago that, that was a normal understood process. And I'm not talking about things that are wicked and all that. I'm just talking about... Well, now... That, that now people have decided that's no longer acceptable. And so people that were involved in things that were accepted then are no longer accepted now because of something they did then. It makes no sense. It's craziness if you take it out to the farther. Because what you're going to do, this culture as we go on, then the things that all those people are doing right now, there's a group of people going to come if Jesus uh, tarries long enough that's going to say, well, none of that stuff was right, so we're going to just cancel you out they're sealing their own demise but they're trying to do this with the ways of God and it's brought a real dilemma it's turning people leading people towards atheism leading people towards uh, uh, secularism leading people that are people that have been raised to understand and to know God's word that are turning away because they're listening to voices that say, well, in my current culture and understanding, I don't like the things that I see God supposedly doing in the Old Testament. So we're just going to cancel him. We're going to cancel that word. We're not going to abide by that or live by that. And, and it's, an, it's a lack of understanding. It's, a, it's, it's really, a, if I can say this without being too offensive, it's a foolish way to live. It, it just is. It's a foolish way to live. Because, because you're, first of all, you're, you're trying to make decisions based on things you don't have an understanding of. Because the... the the cultural issues we read about in that Old Testament, you don't have any understanding of that culture. But the principles remain the same throughout the Word of God. And so if you want to have an understanding and a knowledge of God in, in everything that pertains to life and to godliness, then you've got to study His Word. Amen. Now, let's, let's keep going. And, and whether we, we may not even make it back to the... Ten Commandments tonight, because I got a couple other places I want you to go, and then next week we'll get back into them. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23. It's the parable of the talents. And, you know, they're given talents, and then they're given, they have to account for what they did the five, the two, the one. 
The one given five talents, used them, gained five more. The one that was given two talents, used them, gained two more. The one that was given one, didn't use it, buried it. And his was taken from him and given to the one that had the most. But in Matthew 25, verse 23, Jesus says in this parable, His Lord said to him, this is the one that, that had two talents. He said, and and he, he gave him two talents more. And, and his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen to this. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of your Lord. Now go with me to Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. Luke 16 and verse 10, it's the parable of the unjust steward. But in verse 10 of Luke 16, it's Jesus says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So, so again, from the teaching of Jesus, even if we want to say that the commands and the Old Testament and the the principles of the law that was given. Well, we know they, those are all subservient to Jesus. Well, Jesus teaches that if you're faithful in the least, in the little, He'll bless you in the greater. Amen. If you're, if you're faithful in the little thing, See, if you will be faithful in the things you know, God will give you wisdom and blessing in things you don't even know, don't know or have right now. Amen. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, if you'll just learn to submit your life to Christ and live faithful in the commands we know, in the things God is asking of us, then God will bless us into greater things. And He'll call us to deeper things. And He'll call us to live in ways that we've never experienced before. The Lord spoke this word to me. Obedience first. Then direction, blessing, and promotion. Obedience first. How many of you want the Lord's blessing in your life? How many have ever prayed that God would give you promotion in some way, whether on a job or in life or in some way, God give me promotion in some way, shape, or form? That, that, that God would give you direction. Anyone ever ask for God for direction to lead you in the right way? Well, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take obedience first. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. That's why I'm asking God. Well, be obedient in what you do know. Amen. Well, let's start with God's commands. And let's sum them all up the way Jesus did. When He said, here you go. I'll take the ten and I'll take them down to two. And I'm going to make it real easy for you. If you'll be faithful over these things, you'll take care of all the rest. And He said, here they are. Love God with everything in you. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. On these two hang all of the law and the prophets. So if you will learn to be faithful in those, if you will be obedient, let Christ lead you to obedience in those, 
then he can promote and he can bless and he can direct. But if you're not faithful in the little things, then you cannot be trusted with the greater things. And we've got a church world today that doesn't want to be obedient in the things we know. We want new things. Amen. Just a thought. Obedience first. Then direction. Blessing and promotion. Faithful over the ten that Jesus sums up in the two. And then all the blessings and promises will open up in your life. How many of you understand that if you will live in those two that Jesus said, love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself, then you don't have to worry about murder, stealing, adultery, lying, bearing false witness, coveting. You don't don't have to worry about trying to work for God's approval, you'll understand what rest really is, that Sabbath day, that you'll honor your father and mother, right? There'll be no graven images that you put up. There'll be no other gods before God. If, If you live those two, Christ will lead you to fulfill the ten. And if you'll live the two, fulfilling the ten, allowing Christ to live through you, then all the other principles... That all those other laws that God gave man in, in that old covenant, all those laws will be summed up in the two that sum up the ten, that sum up all of them. And if you allow Christ to live that through you, then you'll be living obedient to the Lord. And then when you move in to the blessing of Christ, then your life can be opened up to the power of the Spirit and the outpouring of God's power and the gifts that God could use you in and the abilities that He can move you in and, and, and the miracles that you could see if you'll let Christ lead you to knowledge of all things pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. See, when we start trying to pick and choose what we want to live and what we don't want to live, we lose the blessing of God. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Does that make sense to you? That's why this is so important. That's why, that's why God wants us to, to understand this. Let me, let me take you somewhere else. I, I hope it's all right with you tonight. Let, let me take you somewhere else. Go, go with me to Genesis, the beginning. Verse number 3. I'm going to take you to a story that you know well, I'm sure. Genesis chapter 3. You know this story well because every one of us live it every day. And that is the temptation And then the fall of mankind. And in Genesis 3 and verse 1, it starts off with, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Genesis 3, let's start at verse 1. Serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of that tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen to this. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked, and that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then the blame game starts. Well, that woman you gave me. And God said to Eve, and? And she said, well, that serpent you made and put in the garden. Right? And the serpent, and I'm sure he says, you're the one to put the tree there to begin with. <laughs> right? The blame game began. But here's what I wanted to bring out to you, and we're going to close with this tonight. I've heard people ask before, why would God create a world, put people in this beautiful garden, tell them they could eat of anything they want except for one tree? I want you to notice the reasoning. Number one, there's reasons. There's the reasoning of fellowship. There's the reasoning of free will. There's the reason of relationship. That it's not really a full relationship if you're just forced and there's, there's never any choice on your part. And God wants full relationship with man. Right? He could have just made us like all the animals of the field who just by instinct and nature do what they do, but God wants relationship with man. So in order for there to be true relationship, there has to be freedom and, and choice. Amen. So that's, that's one aspect. But I think some, there's some truth of this also found in the trees. The tree that they were told not to eat of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? Now, they had no need to eat of that tree. For God came and walked with them in the cool of the day, created for them, gave His Word, and God would declare to them anything that would be good or evil. If something needed to be avoided, God would tell them. The moment they took of that tree, from that moment on, they had to choose what was good and what was evil. The full responsibility came to them.
Amen. I'm not off my subject. I'm, I'm still right here talking about those ten. Because just because man doesn't want to live under God's order and God's law and God's ways. Okay. If you don't live under God's order, God's laws, and God's ways through Jesus Christ, our Savior now, if you don't live that way, then then you bear full responsibility of full knowledge and culpability of what is good and what is evil because you have made yourself God. This is why it's so dangerous To pick and choose things we like and don't like about God's revelation to us in His Word. When we change it. This is why it's so bad when we change things in the Word to fit our culture. Because the moment we start deciding what's good and evil rather than what God's Word has told us and His revelation declares to us. We now become culpable and bear the full responsibility of those choices. If we live in Christ by God's word and by God's law, we live under God's blessing and God's covering and God's grace. Amen. Do y'all do y'all understand that? Now, here's here's the way the Lord kind of spoke this to me, and I'll just stop right here. That tree, when they ate of that, and every man and woman since that time has had to deal with this flesh nature now. That's what brought the flesh nature alive. Because what happened is when they took of that, the flesh nature now became culpable and responsible to determine what was good and evil. Now listen. They now had knowledge of what they thought was good to them, but was bad for them. Listen. It seemed good to them, but it was bad for them. Amen. Come on. Are y'all are y'all with me? We're not we're not off topic. Do you know there are things that we think sound okay to us? And we think they would be good for us. But God knows they would be bad for us. They seem good to us, but God has said they are bad for us. This is why we must stay in His Word. And quit taking it out of his hands. And quit making choices out of our flesh. And well, I don't think that's so bad. Well, if, God, if God's addressed it in his word, if, if you decide to plow on through and do it because it seemed good to you, you are taking the responsibility and culpability of determining everything that's bad or good because God knows what is good and evil. Amen. It's been a battle ever since. And so we started this study last week. We'll carry it on. Talking about these ten commandments. 
summed up by the two Jesus gives us to fulfill all. That really takes in all the concepts and precepts and, and structures of the entire law that man could never keep. Jesus fulfills everything so that now we can live in grace, not by works where any man could boast. But yet, the life we now live is unto God. As we walk through this, we will learn, if we'll allow Jesus to lead us to keep these and to walk in these, then we'll find full blessing Favor, promotion, deeper walk, farther life, because we have put God in control, not us. When man decides, adultery feels good to me, even though God said it's bad for you, and you Press on because you think it's okay. After all, I love them. I care for them. But God says differently. Then you have taken all decisions about good and evil away from God. And you've put them in yourself. And you can never live up to that. Amen. Well, if I tell this one lie, because it seems good to me, but God said it's bad for you. Amen. Amen. I, I hope that we'll just think a little bit because really what this does, sometimes we get caught up thinking, boy, that doesn't that sounds more negative than I really want. But let me tell you, you can't live in the full blessing if you don't live your life God's way. And the only way you can live in the fullness of that is through Christ leading you to walk this out daily. And if you do fall, you've got that advocate. Amen. And by falling, that doesn't mean just running headlong, making your own decisions, and then expecting God to forgive you. It means in those moments of weakness, and you recognize by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you call upon Him, Christ picks you up. Amen. Are y'all, everybody stand to your feet with me tonight. See, we... I don't, I don't know where we ever came up with the idea. Now, I know where the world gets it. The world, the world, doesn't, the world doesn't believe this is God's word because most of the world don't even believe this is God represented in this word. So I understand where the world gets it. I, under, I understand people that aren't going to live for Christ or don't want to accept Him. They're not going to live their life by this book. But I don't understand where the church those who claim Christ, those who claim faith, I don't understand where we ever got the idea that we can choose things that are good, things that are evil, based on what seems right to us, rather than what God has declared. And when we do, we shut off all of God's blessing. 
and all of God's plan. So, I want to press towards all that God has for us. And I want to lead you there as well. So let's start in the first things. With Christ leading us to love. And to fulfill all of this so we can move to the deeper walk in Christ. The Word tells us, the New Testament says... I really want to, Paul would say, I really want to go deeper with you, but I can't. I think it may be Peter that says, you know, you're still needing the milk of the word. I, I want to go deeper with you at times. But, you know, for, and, 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 and another place that the word tells us, leaving the elementary things. Come on, church. We got to move beyond the elementary things of living life God's way. Letting Christ live in us so we can move to the deeper things of fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. This is how we do it. Let's pray. I'll keep rambling otherwise. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. Thank you for every person here on campus, every person online. I ask, Lord, that you would take these words and you would implant them in our hearts, that you would just challenge us. That, Lord, if, if, if we will just allow you to live in us, to love through us, you point us to love the Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, all that is within us, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, all the fulfilling of the commands and Laws then will just be in that. And then, Lord, with new life and with obedience, we can step into your plans and your purposes and and your depth and fulfilling who we were created to be. So, Father, I ask that you would help us. Help me and help every one of us. To give our lives fully to you. And to walk. As you lead us to walk. And we ask this. In the name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.